we're going to uh, begin reading there Joshua, the fifth chapter, and uh, we'll begin at the 10th through the 12th verse. And uh, we'll read that, amen, in your hearing. And it said, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the twilight on the plains of Jericho. Now the children of Israel camped at Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. Unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Hallelujah. May God add a blessing to the hearing uh, and the reading of his word on today. And from uh, that passage of scripture, in the fifth chapter of the book of Joshua, we're going to uh, be talking from the subject and the manna ceased. Can you say that with me? And the manna ceased. Hallelujah. You see, the children of Israel, we read in our congregational reading earlier, uh, they were, had, had crossed over the Jordan and they were on the very plains outside of Jericho and business is about to pick up. Things are about to happen. And one of the things we read in the earlier verses was that uh, God instructed Joshua to get some flint knives made. And uh, anybody know anything about ceramic knives? Anybody use any ceramic knives in the kitchen? Uh, nobody? Okay. Uh, one of the things, okay, a few. One of the things that I learned about ceramic knives uh, is that you can sharpen a ceramic knife sharper than sometimes you can even sharpen a metal uh, or a uh, uh, a, a metal knife. And when you want to be able to really cut and, and the type of uh, surgery that they were doing when it came to circumcision, uh, one thing is for sure. When you, amen, are getting ready to do surgery, you want to have a sharp scalp. Wow. Nobody, amen, wants to be operated on but, amen, not only, uh, uh, you know, it's even, even more stringent, if you've got to be operated on, you want the knife to be sharp. So God had instructed Joshua to make flint knives. Back at their time, uh, uh, that was the means that they had to make the sharpest cutting instruments. 
And God instructed Joshua to circumcise the children of Israel that had come through the wilderness. I, I, I spoke about them last week. I said they were born or grew up and matured in the desert. They were desert babies. The generation that had come out of Egypt, everybody that was over 30 years of age except Joshua and Caleb, those who uh, were of fighting age and who disbelieved God and disobeyed God perished the 40 years that they were wandering in the wilderness. You know, uh, and, and I'm just thinking about it, amen. It was those that were of fighting age. Fighting age. You know, I wonder for us as believers, what's fighting age? Because you see, there is a there's a different expectation that God has for believers when we're of fighting age. And the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. I, I, I wonder are there some that are still trying to ride on somebody else's coattail and you're a fighting age. And, and, and uh, what used to work when mama or grandmama would pray, uh, when you get a fighting age, what works, what, what, what the way it worked before is not the way that amen, it works now. Because you're a fighting age. Talking about and the manna ceased. And so God instructed them to uh, circumcise the children of Israel and get them prepared to uh, receive the promise. Yeah. You see, the 40 years that the children of Israel have been waiting to claim the inheritance that God had promised to give Abraham and his descendants many years before that. And God had made the following promise to Abraham uh, in Genesis 13, uh, 14 through 17. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look on the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee I'm going to give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then he shall uh, thy seed also be numbered. Arise and walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. They're about to, they're about to go into the promised land. And God had been giving that promise, amen, uh, to uh, the generations after Abraham, to his seed. And uh, they were literally at the brink of a promise. The people of Israel had traveled through the wilderness. And while they were in the wilderness, the wilderness, the desert, was a place where uh, food was scarce. Little food existed. And it would have taken an enormous amount of food 
to feed a crowd that numbered between two and three million people. I want you to stop and think about that. Moses had been leading a crowd of between two and three million people in the desert. You know, you stop to think about, that's a lot of bathrooms or latrines that need to be done. Anybody ever had to deal with, you know, some of y'all, you just cook for one or two or three, but anybody been a part of a big family where you had to, you had to see to a large number of families? People don't appreciate uh, when you have to strategically plan to deal with a crowd. And because of the uh, enormity of the crowd and in response to their need for food, when the people began to cry out from hunger and thirst in the wilderness, God supernaturally uh, uh, moved and gave them a substance that was called manna. And it came down from heaven during the night. And in the morning, all the people of Israel had to do was walk outside and gather the manna. And they had food enough for that day. God sent the manna every day, the whole time that they journeyed through the wilderness. The only exception to that was on the Sabbath. And uh, God observed the Sabbath and he didn't send manna on the Sabbath. But what he did, he sent a double supply the day before the Sabbath. So that they would have enough uh, uh, during the Sabbath so that they wouldn't have to gather on Sabbath day. But now, as they are at the brink and in the plains of Jericho, and as they have observed the Passover and have eaten some of the grain from the land of Canaan, the Bible says, and the manna ceased. Today I want to examine the manna and what it meant to Israel when it ceased. And I want you to notice some characteristics about the manna that presents itself in this passage. And how their experience with the manna relates to our experience as new covenant believers in Christ. And the manna Let's talk about for a moment what did the manna picture? What was the manna symbolic of? You see, the manna was a gift of God's grace to his people. And to understand why he sent it to them, you need to look back to Exodus, the 16th chapter. And in the 16th chapter, and I'm not going to take the time to go through all of the verses, 
Uh, but that passage teaches us why God sent the manna and what the manna represented. And I want to point out several truths that are hidden in that substance called manna. And uh, even the name manna, the uh, understanding of what the name manna is, uh, the, the word manna in the Hebrew means what is it? They've never seen it before. Nothing that they've ever experienced in their life. And yet God was going to use the manna to sustain them through their journey in the wilderness. Let's examine uh, that substance called manna. In uh, Exodus 16, verses 1 through 5, and I'll just summarize. I'll give you the verses, but I'll summarize. The manna was sent in response to the complaint of the people. You can turn me up a little bit on, on this, just a little bit. Say the manna was sent in response to the complaint of the people, verse 2. They were hungry. They missed the food that they were used to having down in Egypt. And in verse 3, God tells Moses that he will rain bread from heaven for you. God tells Moses that the manna will serve as a testing for the people of Israel. And God will use their response to the manna to test their obedience to his law. So the people uh, complained. God heard their complaint. And God responded with man. Now, it's a lengthy passage there in Exodus 16. Uh, but it gives us several insights about the manna that I think is worthy of notice. And I want to share them with you today. You see, the manna, not only did it serve a purpose, but the manna represented, it was representative of something that God was going to do in the future. Y'all listening to me? I don't know if you remember, and I, I uh, have to apologize. I didn't take time to look it up. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. But he talked about the fact that he was the bread that came down from heaven. Yeah. And so, uh, what we understand is that the manna was a clear picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The manna was an Old Testament type of Christ. It was sent from the Lord to paint a picture of the Savior that he would send to the world. Now, there are ways that when we look at the manna, it speaks of Christ. In uh, Exodus 16 and 14, it was small. And the smallness, the compactness of the man speaks of his humility. You see, he's the creator of the, of, 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 of the universe. 
uh, he's God Almighty. Yet when he came into the world, uh, he robbed himself, uh, or, or he uh, emptied himself, kenosis, emptied himself of a lot of his divine attributes and uh, humbled himself and became a servant so that he might die uh, for his people on the cross. He condensed. The manna was a meal in condensed form. It was small. It was round. Like a circle that has no beginning and no ending. Jesus Christ is eternally God. And he did not have a beginning at Bethlehem. But was able to proclaim before Abraham was, I am, John 8 and 58. And just as he had no beginning, he shall have no ending. Amen. Hebrews 7 and 25 tells us he's our Savior and that our Savior is eternal. It was small. It was round. It was wider than anything that they've seen before. Nothing on earth compared uh, to the matter. I've had some visions of heaven. And one of the things that I remember uh, in some of the visions that I've had of heaven, the colors in heaven are so vibrant. And there's some colors that are in heaven that we haven't even seen on earth. And that's one of the things I remember, the vibrancy of the colors. Uh, I remember the day my mom uh, passed and uh, went home to be with the Lord. And I remember on that morning, uh, I had spent the night at her apartment uh, to help attend and uh, to see and care for her. And uh, I remember that morning when I woke up. I woke up, and some of the first breath that I that that, that I took that morning were so clean were so crisp. It wasn't ordinary air in my mom's apartment that morning. And it was so distinctive how the atmosphere in her apartment had changed that when I first woke up and, 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 and came to myself, and I breathed in the air, and I thought to myself, my mom must be gone. Because the air I'm breathing in this apartment is not earthly air. This is heavenly air. And I went to her bedroom to check on her, and she wasn't gone. She was still there. But I'm telling you, I noticed the difference immediately when I woke up. The 
atmosphere had changed. Heaven had invaded her apartment. And what I didn't know was later that day she'd be taking her flight and going home. Hallelujah. The manna represented, God said, I'm sending bread down from heaven. It was small, it was round, uh, uh, it, it, it had a whiteness that was whiter than snow. Speaks of the purity of Jesus. He was born into a world with a man out the taint of human sin. The manna came at night. Jesus was born on a dark night in Judea. In Judea. Luke 2, 1 through 11. He came to a world trapped in spiritual darkness and gave light, love, and life to the world. Another thing about the manna as it is a type of Christ, the manna was misunderstood by those who found it. They called it manna, which means, what is it? And the same way that the manna was misunderstood, Jesus is misunderstood as well. Very people that he came to save misunderstood. And I believe that not only was Jesus misunderstood uh, back when he walked the earth, Jesus is still misunderstood by the masses. Talking about the day that the manna ceased. Another aspect of the manna was that the manna was sufficient for every person's need. For 40 years, the manna was sufficient for the young ones, sufficient for the old ones, and sufficient for everybody in between. The manna was right for everybody. The growing boy grew into manhood off the nourishment of the man. The young girl grew into womanhood by eating the man. It sustained the rich and the poor. It fed the leader and the follower. It was good enough to sustain the lives of the entire congregation of Israel for 40 years. And this reminds me of the all sufficiency of Christ. I don't know if you remember the testimony of those that were in the wilderness for 40 years. But uh, it said that even their clothes and shoes didn't wear out. Amen. And and, and to be able to uh, grow up and survive in uh, the hostile situation in the desert, God provided the right diet for them. And it was a diet that, amen, met all 
of their needs. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I just want you to know, I don't care what your need is. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care what you're dealing with. And, and, and sometimes uh, we try to tell God how to fix our problems. I, 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 I used to hear, I believe it was Shambach, would say, uh, uh, at the end of his radio broadcast, he said, you don't have any problems. <laughs> All you need yes. is faith in God. Yes. And I can remember there was a time when my life was full of problems. <laughs> and, he, and, and, and his radio broadcast came on, and he said that and made me mad. You don't have any problems. All that you need is faith in God. I'm here to tell you the manna as it was sufficient for the children of Israel in the, uh, uh, the wilderness. Jesus is sufficient for all, I didn't say some, but for all of our needs. Hallelujah. I don't care what you're going through. More Jesus. I don't care what it looked like. More Jesus. Hallelujah. The manna was sweet to the taste. In Exodus 16 and 31, it says the taste of the manna was like tasting wafers made with honey. No doubt it was a pleasant surprise to everyone that placed it on their tongue. This is a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, to the sinner, Jesus appears to be harsh. Uh, one who delights in keeping people from having fun. But when you come to know him, you'll find that he is the delight of your soul. You'll find that he makes life worth living. The songwriter said that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. The psalmist said, amen, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who trusteth in him. Psalms 34 and 8. And I don't know about you, but that's been my experience. And I believe that, amen, I got some witnesses here that say that's their experience. Amen. Sometimes the devil tries to complicate our lives, and sometimes the devil tries to, amen, getting us off track and getting us off focus. Amen. But Jesus, Jesus. is the best thing yeah. that ever happened to me. Sometimes we try to make it more complicated than what it is. 
the man seeks. And what did the man picture? The manna was to be kept and passed on to others. Exodus 16 and 32. Jesus is the same way. He is to be shared with those that cross our path. Manna serves as a brilliant picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Manna serves to remind us who Jesus is. And what he came to do. And 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 uh, that's something that uh, I'm praying that we become uh, a, uh, do a better job of sharing the good news. Because everybody needs to know who Jesus is. Talk about what the man pictured. The man was a picture of Christ. Let's talk about what the manna provided. See, as I said before, the children of Israel lived on manna for 40 years. They collected the small uh, white pieces of manna every day. Do you all know that's nearly 13,000 days? The people of Israel picked up the manna, they gathered it, they cooked it, and then they ate it. The people tried various ways to make the manna more appetizing. Numbers 11 and 8 says, and the people went about and gathered it and ground it in meals and beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was the, as the taste of fresh oil. In spite of what they did with it, the manna became their lifeline. It was the manna that kept them from starving to death in the wilderness. Yes. The difference between having the manna and not having it was the difference between life and death. Again, this is an aspect that the manna is a portrait of Jesus Christ. Like the manna sustained the Israelites in the wilderness, the Lord Jesus sustains those who come to him by faith. Some of us are operating on starvation diets. Y'all hear what I said? Amen. Some of us, we, uh, uh, we, we, we get just enough Jesus to satisfy our conscience, but not enough, amen, uh, uh, to fully do the work that he came to do in our lives. A lot of us operate on starvation diets when it comes to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. You need a moment-by-moment moment relationship with Christ. You, you, you can't just depend, amen, on what I share with you on a Sunday morning. What I share with you on a Sunday morning needs to be a launching pad. Needs to be a launching pad 
where you can delve deeper and deeper, amen, in your walk with Christ. Looking back at Exodus 16 again, uh, there are a couple of truths that we uh, notice concerning the manner and how it was appropriated by the children of Israel. I want to talk about what did the manna provide. First of all, in order to receive the manna, you had to stoop and pick it up. The manna appeared on the ground, and in order to gather it, the people had to bend their knee and get down there where it was to pick it up. The only way anybody can come to Jesus for salvation is with a humble heart. Nobody comes to Jesus filled with pride thinking that they're adequate within themselves. The only ones who can come to him are those who see themselves as sinners in need of a Savior. Those who come to Jesus do so by bowing in humble submission and repentance. Acts 17 and 30. Also, the man was appropriated by swallowing. You didn't you didn't get the benefit of the manna by just having it and holding it or putting it on the shelf. No. Was anybody listening to me? The manna was appropriated by swallowing it. The manna was gathered by the men of the tent. And when the manna was brought into the tent, it was divided out according to the number of people in the tent. The manna was there, but it could not help anyone until they had partaken of it, had eaten of it. The only benefit from the manna was you had to get it inside you. Again, this speaks of Jesus. You can come to church or come to the building called the church. You can hear sermons, you can sing songs, you can pray prayers, you can do all the religious stuff you want to do. But you will never be saved until you come to Jesus for yourself. No one can do it for you. Can't ride on somebody else's coattails. The manna provided life for those who ate it. The Lord Jesus provides life for those who believe the gospel and are saved by faith in him. And Jesus Christ makes the difference between life and death. Message I preached when the children of Israel were getting ready uh, for the first Passover, when the death angel was coming through Egypt. And it was a message entitled, you got to eat the meal if you want to make the journey. Can you say that with me? you got to eat the meal if you want to make the journey. And I'm here to tell you, a lot of us ate the meal and started the journey, but we're not eating regularly 
We hear nothing. Anybody get the picture? We ate the meal to start the journey, but our appetite changed. Our appetite changed. And we started longing after leeks and garlics and, you know, stuff we had back in Egypt. And you know what, I'm, 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 I'm mighty afraid when uh, I look at this modern so-called church that uh, I see, I see an appetite for a lot of different things that are not Jesus. I don't know if anybody else is noticing it like I'm noticing, but amen, I'm noticing there is an appetite among the so-called people of God for a lot of things that are not Jesus. And I believe that the same way you started out, you gotta, you, you, you gotta keep it up. You gotta, amen, not only eat the meal to make the journey, you gotta continue to eat the meal. We're gonna be having communion in just uh, a, a little bit as I wrap this up. Uh, and communion is symbolic Amen. Like the children of Israel ate manna in the wilderness, communion, it also symbolizes Jesus. They had to appropriate it by swallowing it and receiving the manna in themselves. The manna sustained the lives of the people of Israel as they traveled in the wilderness. It provided their salvation. Jesus Christ does the very same thing for us today. Every soul that comes to him by faith is delivered from death, sin, hell, and the awful wrath of God. You see, the Bible said it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. But there is what's called the second death. In the book of Revelation, it talks about it. And how that death and hell were cast into a lake of fire, which is the second death. It is appointed unto man once to die. And if we receive Christ, amen, he saves us from God's wrath. Those that come to Jesus, find that he offers not just only uh, 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 the ability not to be a part of the second death, but he offers so much more. He sustains his people as we journey to our Father's house. He blesses his people in many precious ways. He blesses them with his presence. He blesses them with his peace. He blesses them with his provision. He blesses them with his power. He blesses them, uh, and, you know, the power to witness, Acts 1 and 8, the power to love others, Romans 5 and 5, the power to live for God, the power to withstand everything that comes our way. He blesses them with the promise. The manna provided hope. When they ate today's meal, there was a promise that there would be more food tomorrow. They could lie down at night with the assurance 
that God had that needs on his heart. And the man that gave hope in desperate situations, Jesus Christ provides that same kind of hope today. When he's your Savior, you never walk alone. You know that he will never leave you. You know that he will meet all your needs. You know that he will bless you and use you and give you sufficient grace. But every day that you live, oh, thank God for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The manna sustained Israel for 40 years. Do you all know what 40 years represents? It represents a generation. It literally became their way of life. And such is Jesus Christ to all that come to him. Paul said it like this, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. See, the way a lot of people are operating, they're operating with Christ being an accessory. You women know what I'm talking about, an accessory? An accessory, it could be your earrings. An accessory could be your purse. An accessory could be uh, your jewelry. And the thing about an accessory is that you look, you know, you, you look good when you when you accessorize yourself. But there is a difference between an accessory and a necessity. Was anybody I've seen a lot of you all, you walk off and leave your purse. I'm not going to call no names, but I've seen a lot of you, you lose earrings. And I ain't just picking on the women, the men, we guilty of it too. It was an accessory. Jesus' family treated him like an accessory when they went to the temple. And they assumed that he was with somebody else of the family. And then they traveled away from Jerusalem for three days before they noticed he was gone. And then they began to worry and go back looking for him. And when they found him, he was in the temple. Listening and teaching the ones in the temple. They went three days before they realized their child wasn't with them. They treated Jesus as an accessory instead of a necessity. And there are many of us today who are treating the Christ we say we love as an accessory. Put them on on Sunday. When we get ready to go to church. And then when church is over, we take them off.
why our lives are in the shape that they're in. I'm telling you, you can't treat them like an accessory. Paul said this, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And the converse of that, if to live is not Christ, then to die is not gain. I need it. Lord, help us to know our need. The man has sustained Israel for 40 years. It literally became their way of life. And such is Jesus Christ to all who come to him. He is life. He's the way, the truth, and, to, and life. And he said, no man can come to the Father but by me. That's, I talked about what the manna provided. Amen. Let's conclude with what did the manna promise. We're told that the manna ceased the day after the children of Israel had eaten the fruit of Canaan. Every day when the people of Israel picked up and ate the manna, that simple piece of bread was making a promise. Every day, that man is saying that there's a better day coming. You're headed to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. You're going to a place where all of your needs are going to be met. The manna was the Lord's way of promising Israel a better life in a better land and when they arrived in the land of victory, the desert diet ceased. They no longer needed manna because they could now feast on the bounty of Canaan. Where they had just come from, or rather compared to where they had just come from, there was enough left over in the fields of Canaan to sustain them until it was time for the harvest next crop. I want you to get that. When they got to the promised land, there was already enough left over to sustain them until they got established and could plant and prepare for another harvest. I don't know about you, but we need to understand, we need to recognize the God that we serve. One, one, one term for him in, in, in the Old Testament was El Shaddai. Do you know what El Shaddai meant? The God that is more than enough. The God that is more than enough. The man that was speaking and saying things are going to get better down the road. And the man that was right. Now what 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 is this saying uh, to us as I 
amen, hasten to close this message. As we've looked at the manna, we've seen it as a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to suggest that there's anything better than Jesus. I'm not. But I am suggesting that when you find yourself in your own Canaan, in that place of spiritual victory and power, you will lay down the desert diet and you will feast on the riches of the Lord. God wants to change our appetites. Yeah. God wants to change our diets. And God wants to take us to a place where there's more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us, we've operated We've operated in survival mode. And for some of us, we've operated in survival mode for so long that it's become a way of life. But I'm here to tell you, amen, business is about to pick up. I'm here to tell you, I think Sandra was testifying, and she uh, made the remark about how the blessings are going to overtake you. I'm here to tell you, amen, I believe we're coming into a time, amen, when uh, uh, you're going to pray and God's going to move and it's going to scare you. Tell you, 
He's going to stretch. Oh, yeah. He's going to get us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And as I close, I think about uh, Joshua and Caleb, the children of Israel, and how they had to survive while there were others dying around. Their contemporaries falling by the wayside. And Joshua and Caleb, because they uh, fully obeyed and believed God and said that we're more than able to take the land, and they were outvoted by the people who said, no, we can't do it. You know what? Sometimes you'll be outvoted by the majority. But God will turn you into a survivor. And while they died around, you're waiting for your turn. And, and I close today, amen, uh, talking about a better day. I close today uh, with the words of Caleb. And Caleb said, I'm just as strong now as I was then over 40 years ago. Give me my mouth. God wants to change that diet. Oh, yeah. 
what he has is so much better than what you've been uh, dealing with. Amen. So, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if that's you, I would like for you to just pray with me right now. As we get ready to close out the live stream in just a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I believe that you choose your listeners very carefully. And I believe your word is going forth to accomplish what you said for it to do. And I believe by faith, Lord, that appetites are changing. Diets are changing. And Lord, they're, they're, they're turning away, as the, as the prodigal son said, in the hall pen, why do I hunger and almost perish when in my when servants in my father's house have bread and enough to spare? I'm getting up out of this hall pen and I'm going back to my father's house. And I'm going to say to my father, Father, I've sinned. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Amen. He had already made up what he was going to say, but he didn't know what his father was going to say. Father ran to him. Put his arms around him. Told the servant, put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Go and make preparation. We're going to have a party. Kill the fat cat. My son that was dead is now alive. My son that was lost is now found. God wants to say that about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell him, Lord, I'm getting out of the hall pen. I'm telling the farmer goodbye. And I'm going back to you. Lord God, as we pray right now, Lord, I thank you for those that are praying with me right now, those that are repenting right now, those that are coming back to you, those that are saying, Lord, uh, uh, created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Wash me. Purge me with his Oh God, make me clean. Save me, Lord. I want to be saved. I'm a backslider. I want to come home. Save me, Lord. And I thank you for hearing me. I thank you for receiving me. I thank you for doing it for me right now. Amen. If you accepted Christ, if you prayed that prayer with me, amen, uh, uh, let us know about it. Amen. Send a response. Let us know. Amen. We want to be able to rejoice with you. Yes. And uh, to our live stream audience, we want to say, Amen. I just feel like something good is about to happen. Oh, yeah. God bless you. God keep you. Yeah. Amen. To the members of Bethel, we're going to prepare uh, for the uh, communion service. And uh, we're going to partake of the communion and then we'll, amen, uh, let you go. Amen. So I'm going to ask those that are attended, they can come out.